Well, it's great to be back and see all you people here. Oh, oops, <laughs> not yet. I wish, don't you wish, it would be wonderful, it will be wonderful when we can meet up again in person in God's house here at the church. So, but before we start, let's just pray and ask God to really speak to our hearts and our minds this morning. Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you that you are the amazing, wonderful God that you are, the creator of all things and the one who sent your son to be our saviour. We pray that you will be honoured, that I will be hidden and that you will be exalted and that you will be lifted up this morning and that as we contemplate and think through the truth of Jesus being the shepherd, the good shepherd, that we will apply it to our lives in a way that will be life-changing and helpful in our journey. We pray for your blessing and help in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what's the mascot for your footy team? I know of the Brisbane Lions. In fact, um, it's my second team that I barrack for when my team's not playing. The Brisbane Lions or the Hawks, David and Richard apparently, and Samuel barrack for the Hawks. Birds of prey, or the cats, Gavin, um, or the tigers, Levi, the tigers, or the magpies, Dennis. <laughs> um, I was swooped by a magpie the other day as I was going for a walk. Well, what about the Carlton sheep? Well, they do need a shepherd. They need a coach at the moment. It's Iberic for Carlton. Anyway, sheep. You would never choose a sheep to be the mascot for your footy team, would you? Uh, it just doesn't go. Why? Well, first of all, they're defenceless and dependent. Uh, they need guidance and they need protection uh, from someone stronger than them. They are easily frightened and confused. A herd of, uh, of a flock of sheep who ran off a cliff in the confusion because they were scared. Uh, they are wayward. All we like sheep have gone astray. And uh, the Bible in a number of places talk about, talks about wayward sheep. They can be stupid and stubborn. So a sheep is not really a good mascot for a footy team. The thing is that sheep need a shepherd. They were created that way. They were created to be dependent. And, and so it's a beautiful picture of how we are totally dependent on our good shepherd, on our Lord. That's why God appointed leaders among his people. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, uh, the shepherd king then, uh, David, who spent many years as a shepherd boy out in the fields, uh, then became king. And it says in 2 Samuel 5, uh, then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and the Lord said to you, they said, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. You will shepherd my people. You will lead them. You will provide for them. You will protect them. You will be the leader of my people. And in Psalm 78, we read, he, that is God, also chose David, his servant, to shepherd Israel his inheritance. Now, in the previous chapter last week, as we looked at chapter 9, 
Jesus finishes up the chapter uh, condemning the uh, Pharisees uh, that they had failed and were uh, blind and, and resistant to the truth. And the text goes straight on. Forget the chapter change because Jesus keeps on talking in chapter 10 uh, as we're looking at it today. So, so Jesus, as an indictment to those pro, uh, Pharisees who were false shepherds or fake shepherds, bad shepherds, his indictment was similar to what God said back in Ezekiel chapter 34. Let me read it to you. Shepherds of Israel, at that point in time, a few hundred years before Christ. Shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? The weak have not been strengthened. The sick have not been healed. The injured have not been bound up. And uh, the strayed have not been brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness, you have ruled them. And that's the picture of the Pharisees. And now in chapter 10, we find Jesus presenting himself as the true shepherd, the true shepherd of God's people. And three things we learn about him as, in his role as a shepherd in this chapter. The first thing is that he, being the good shepherd, seeks his sheep. That was the whole idea. In fact, in Ezekiel, the same chapter later on, uh, God's word says, God speaking, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself, God says, will search for my sheep and will seek them out as the shepherd seeks out his flock. So I will seek out my sheep. So God presents himself, the Lord Jehovah God, as the shepherd who will seek his sheep. And then Jesus comes and said, I am the good shepherd. <clears throat> Jesus was a fulfillment of the prophecy of Moses also in Numbers 27, where he says, May the Lord appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before them, <clears throat> one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So he seeks his sheep. First of all, he is appointed by God. He is appointed by God. And we see this in the first three verses. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter in the sheepfold by the door or the gate, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. Now, the Near Eastern shepherds back then, in fact, it's very similar today in some places. Uh, shepherds uh, would be out all day with their flocks and if they lived nearby or they were nearby their home uh, and the village where they lived, they would bring the flocks back at night and there would be a communal um, pen or um, sheep fold. And typically it, it was built with... Uh, rocks around uh, a square or rectangle and there was one entrance into it and on top of the rocks they would often put they didn't have electric fences or barbed wire back then so they used brambles and and thorns of from bushes and put that around so that during the night 
no predator would come or a person would come to steal a sheep uh, so they could have dinner the next night. And so there would be the gatekeeper, the, the shepherd would give the sheep to the, into the pen and the gatekeeper would be there to protect and stay all night watching over, <coughs> watching over the sheep. Then the next morning, the, the shepherd would come back and, and he would gain his sheep again and draw them out and they would follow him out to the fields and hills again. When the shepherd came back for his sheep, the gatekeeper recognized the, sh the shepherd and gave that shepherd entrance and ability to take his sheep with him to the hills. And so Jesus is saying, he who enters by the door doesn't climb over the, the, the fence, um, but who enters by the door is the shepherd and the gatekeeper opens to him, allows him to have that access. So he is appointed by God. God sent the Lord Jesus and the, the <coughs> Lord came, <coughs> excuse me, the Lord came to uh, pull or draw out his sheep from the fold. He claimed to be the son of God. And down at the end of this chapter, we read that in claiming to be the son of God, he says, if I am doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. If I am not doing the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works. He's saying, I'm, I'm the legitimate one and proof of it is my miracles. We'll come back to that a little later. The next thing we see about the shepherd is that the sheep recognize his voice. He calls them and that's what happened. The shepherd would come in the morning. Uh, there were all the sheep from the various flocks that the shepherds had left in a communal group. And the shepherd would call for his sheep and his sheep recognized his voice. There was a a connection there between the shepherd and the sheep. They recognized his voice and they would follow him. So he would call them out and they would come out from among all the other sheep and he would take them and they'd follow him up to the hills. And that's the concept here, that the true sheep in the fold with all the others there, the unbelievers and the, the Pharisees and everyone else, that the true sheep actually recognized the voice of God in Jesus Christ, and they followed him. Even Peter said, remember, he said um, that, oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> Someone bring me a glass of water. I appreciate it. Thank you. There you go. He's being a good shepherd, <laughs> caring for others. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the, the uh, shepherd would uh, call his sheep out, they'd follow him, but they wouldn't follow a stranger. You remember back in the, well, you don't remember most of you probably, I, I sort of remember seeing it years ago, but there were the old gramophones where they had the, um, the first ones that were made, uh, were made by RCA or um, HMV, and they had this gramophone with a big speaker coming up from the, the, uh, the, the record, and there was a dog uh, listening to the voice that's coming through the gramophone. And the whole idea was called his master's voice. 
that the, the dog recognized the master's voice from the gramophone and came up to it and was listening. And so it is with uh, the sheep. They could listen and hear and, and, and therefore follow their master, the shepherd. John's gospel is full of that concept that the, the, the ones who did believe and follow Jesus and those who didn't. And Peter, remember he said at the end of chapter 6, um, we believe because you have the words of eternal life. They heard the word. It wasn't so much the miracles. It was the miracles, but they heard Jesus' teaching and they were attracted to the truth of what Jesus taught. They listened, they heard his voice and they followed the shepherd. Then uh, we find in this passage in verse 16 uh, that uh, Jesus spoke of um, another group. He says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I will bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one shepherd and one, uh, one flock and one shepherd. He's there talking about other sheep that were not part of the Jewish fold, that he was, he was calling people from that. Now he said there's going to be another group that he's going to call, which is obviously the Gentiles, so that he would draw, a shepherd would draw the sheep from uh, the Jewish nation and also from the Gentile world, and they would become one flock with one shepherd, which has happened and is part of God's original plan. And so uh, they also listened to my voice, Jesus said. They heard. As we read in chapter 7, verse 17, if anyone's will is to do his will, he will know of the teaching uh, that it is from God and that I'm not speaking on my own authority. He's saying, those who listen, follow me because they know it's got the ring of truth. It is God's word through the revelation of God's Son, the Word who became flesh. Next, we see that he leads his sheep and they follow. So the good shepherd seeks his sheep and they follow. He leads them. Today in Australia, when you have sheep, they're out on the... I saw some today as I was driving here. Uh, they're out in the fields, but out in the country... Um, uh, especially out the outback and places like that or where it's semi-outback, then uh, they're just left to themselves and uh, uh, there's not many predators or anything. So they just uh, they, they come by and, and uh, move them from place to place from time to time, but they just are left to themselves. But back at the time of Jesus, that didn't happen. The shepherd was always with his sheep, always. There was that constant connection with the sheep by the shepherd and the shepherd would lead the shepherd would be up front just as the picture shows you there on the screen the 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 uh shepherd would lead and the sheep would follow whereas uh in australia you drive the sheep you get dogs and you get your uh four-wheel thing or whatever it is that you use and and you get out there even on your horse and 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 you drive the sheep in the direction get the dogs to uh move them where you want them to go. But back then, the sheep had a relationship with the shepherd. They followed him, so he would lead the way and they would just go on behind him. And so it is uh, with the Lord Jesus that he 
leads his sheep and they follow. And that following is so important that it's, it's the evidence, if you like, of genuine faith. A person who hears Christ's word and believes in him, follows him. And you can't say that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, that you are a Christian if you don't follow him. It goes with it. In fact, Paul talked about it in Romans chapter 1, where he talks about the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. Faith shows itself. It reveals itself in obedience. And so he calls his sheep, they, he leads them and they follow him. The next we see is he, he is selfless and selflessly gives himself and gives gifts and things to his sheep. The thief is there to take for selfish gain. The good shepherd is there to give, to give selflessly to those in his flock. And we are reminded as we saw that beautiful song earlier, uh, which was based on Psalm 23, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, he provides for me. And maybe you're in a situation and you, because of the COVID thing, you, 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 you're in a difficult spot, your business or your work, you're not working like you were and uh, your good shepherd provides trust in him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's a sense of, of, of being content, well-fed. Sheep don't lie down until they've got a belly full. Once they've got a belly full, they're happy to lie down. Contentedness. He leads me beside still waters. That speaks of peace, peace and tranquility. And he gives peace to his people. Even though I walk through the valley of darkness, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. I can trust you. Your safety is, is something that I can trust you for as I follow you, Lord Jesus. My cup overflows. You give me joy. You see the picture there of our good shepherd selflessly giving to his sheep. And, and God's leaders are still shepherds, under shepherds, under the shepherd of Jesus Christ. And so we read in 1 Peter 5, shepherd the flock of God, talking to elders there, which is among you, the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And so shepherds in our churches are those elders and those appointed, uh, plus everybody else who does shepherding in some form or other. The second thing we learn about the good shepherd is that not only does he seek his sheep, but he also saves his sheep. The Son of Man, Jesus said, came to seek and to save the lost. And so we find in verses 17 to 18, um, 7 to 18, that uh, twice here he uses the I am. So I've mentioned back in chapter 6 where he said, I am the bread of life. And, and he'll go on to say, I'm the way, the truth and the life and so on. I'm the resurrection and the life. But today, Jesus in this chapter gives two of the I am's 
in John's gospel. One of them is, I am the gate or the door, and the other is, I am the good shepherd. So let's look at those. First of all, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He'll be saved and go in and out and find pasture. So the door was the way of access. Now, I talked about the communal um, uh, sheepfold, but they, if you're out in the hills and you didn't, you're too far away to go back to your village, they had some that were built, uh, some folds that were built out on the hillside, and you didn't have, therefore, a gatekeeper to look after them. So the shepherd would put his sheep inside that enclosure, and then he would lie across the entrance. And he was the gate. He was the door. He was the one who would prevent wild animals from coming in to uh, kill and, and take sheep. And he would also prevent the sheep from going out and into the dangerous night and uh, being, um, being objects of predatory animals. So he was the door of access. And the way he presents it here is that he said, by me, if anyone enters in, he will be saved. In other words, I'm the door of access to safety and, and provision. I will protect you and I will provide for you if you come through me. I am the door. And then you can go in and out and find pasture. You'll be part of my flock and I will look after you and provide for you. The second thing he says here, talking about the I am's, and again, don't forget that this is the I am of Jehovah God, where God's name is I am that I am, and Jesus here is claiming to be God in taking the I am's and applying them to himself. He says, I am, I am the door. Then he says, I am, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd, not just the true shepherd, the legitimate shepherd, but I'm the good shepherd. And there he, uh, he contrasts himself with the bad shepherds. There were two kinds of bad shepherds. There was the thief and there was the hired hand. The thief feeds himself instead of the flock. The hired hand protects himself instead of the flock. If a, a lion or a... Remember David in his youth out on the hills... He fought off a lion and a bear to protect his sheep. And so the good shepherd protects his sheep, whereas the hireling flees. He's more scared for his own life. He doesn't care for the sheep. So let's look at those together. First of all, the thief. <clears throat> the thief who comes and tries to steal the sheep. All, Jesus said in verse 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. What's he talking about? He's talking about, I believe, uh, various ones who rose up in that first century claiming to be Messiah. There was a huge desire to see Messiah. There was a great anticipation Messiah would come in the Jewish nation. And there were various people who rose up like Judas of Galilee was a famous one in the first century. And, and Theatus and Simon of Perea were three. 
and, and they gathered some around them and uh, tried to influence the whole nation that they were the Messiah. And neither, none of them had any real major impact on the nation. So Jesus said, those who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Then Jesus talks about the hired hand. The hired hand uh, does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and, and scatters them. And he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He's talking, I believe, here about the Pharisees, the ones who were hired hands. Jesus, when he was speaking to the Pharisees, said in Luke 16, you cannot serve God and money. Now the Pharisees, it says, who were lovers of money, were listening to all of these things and they were scoffing at him. And Jesus in Matthew 23 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are clean on the outside of the cup and plate, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. What a comparison to the good shepherd who came to give his life for the sheep. Not to get, but to give. Not to run from danger, but to embrace it in order to save those who were lost. <clears throat> but you know, the hired hand cares nothing for the sheep, Jesus said. Doesn't really care. He's just in the position. I, I know that Anyone in a pastor role like me who's not really part of the fellowship and drawn in can act like a hired hand because he or she is. But it's one thing to be in a place like it says in Timothy where some of the elders were to be um, paid for uh, in their role. But it's another thing to act like you're just it's a job. And I trust and pray that any role I have, past, present or future, in God's church, among God's people, the sheep, will be one where I'm not just earning a wage at all, but I'm there to serve and to help and encourage and build up the body of Christ. And I would trust that that would be true of everyone who is in a role like that. But it's not just to leaders um, or pastors and ministers and so on. It's to everyone. Do you really care for the flock? You're part of the flock, but do you really care? Do you really care? If someone's not well, do you, do you really pray for them? And do you try and encourage them and help them? You see, we live in a consumer-driven culture where it's all get, it's for me. And I come to this church and as long as it satisfies me and fills my need, then I'm happy. But if not, but what a different it is, different way of looking at it to say, I'm here to serve. I'm here to help and encourage others in their faith and in their daily lives. How can I be a shepherd? Go on, say it to yourself. How can I be a shepherd among God's people in this church? How was Jesus a good shepherd? 
First of all, he was willing to sacrifice his life for his sheep. It cost him. It cost him to give his life for his sheep, for you and for me. And we are called to do the same, to, to give up our lives, as it were, to, to be willing to sacrifice for others. That's what love is. Love is regarding the other person as more important than myself. So the person I sit next to at church or that I know uh, and have a little bit of knowledge, I don't, it's not my closest friend, but that person is in need. And if I love that person, then that person is more important than myself. Wow. What? That's revolutionary. But that's what the good shepherd shows us as an example of being a shepherd. The next thing he gives his sheep life to the full. I have come that you might have life and have it to its fullness, to its abundance. This is talking about eternal life. That we receive the spirit of God. The life of God comes and invades our body and, and, and our soul and our spirit. And we are uh, regenerated. We're made new. We're born again. And the spirit of God lives within us and en enables us to and motivates us and empowers us to live and serve others. But it also talks of the full life, fulfilled life, if you like. We know the true peace and joy and love and <clears throat> freedom of being his sheep. And the third thing we find here about Jesus being the good shepherd, uh, not only does he seek the sheep, not only does he save the sheep, but the good shepherd secures his sheep. Those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and trusted him as Lord and Savior, invited him to come into their lives and have been born again and become children of God, if you like, sheep with the shepherd in the fold of the sheep that he says there will be one shepherd and one flock. In verses 22 Onwards, it's a different time. It's actually three months later. It's uh, during the Feast of Dedication, uh, during the winter. And so uh, Jesus here is talking about his sheep being secure in that context. And I'll, I'll explain that a little bit. The Feast of Dedication was a feast that wasn't biblical. There was nothing in the Old Testament written to have this feast. By the way, Jesus still did it and uh, observed it and went to Jerusalem for that feast. Interesting, isn't it? Um, some people say, oh, don't, you don't have Christmas. It's not in the Bible. Well, any, any opportunity to glorify God and Jesus himself here went to a feast that was not strictly biblical. But it was a, a feast of dedication that took place in Jerusalem. And uh, it, it was called, and it's today called Hanukkah. It's a rededication. It was when the temple uh, in Jerusalem was rededicated after the Maccabean revolt, um, led by Judah Maccabea, Maccabeus in the second century BC. The uh, Syrian Greek army had forced pagan worship on the Jewish people, and they had desecrated the temple. They sacrificed a pig on the altar in the temple, and they had uh, forced forced the people of Israel to worship their Greek gods. And 
uh, Judah Maccabeus and uh, others rose up and they, they won the victory over this group and they uh, set the, the temple free and they rededicated the temple after that. And uh, the people of God looked back to that time as a, a great uh, revolution, if you like, a real uh, opportunity for the nation to say no to the idolatry and to uh, reconnect with and follow the God of the Bible. And so whenever they celebrated this rededication of the temple um, at the Hanukkah celebration or the Feast of Dedication, there was great anticipation for Messiah to come because uh, they saw Messiah as being like the uh, man Judah Maccabeus and those who had risen up and said no to the foreign power. And now Rome was the foreign power. And so every time they had Hanukkah, that celebration, there was anticipation of Messiah coming. And that's why in verse 24, you have them saying to Jesus, the people saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, the Messiah, tell us plainly. Here we are. It's Hanukkah and you're here. Show yourself. Jesus said, I told you, you do not believe. Oh, they believed in a political Messiah, but not the one sent by God. He says, you're not my sheep. My works are witness to who I am. In the Hanukkah blessings, which they had every day during the eight-day feast, uh, this was the blessing. They said, praise, praise are you, our God, ruler of the universe, who made us holy, who performed wondrous deeds, who gives us life and sustains us. And this was they were saying to God. Then Jesus replies, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one will, is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So he's saying, I'm the fulfillment of what you've been saying in your blessings here at the Hanukkah. And what's more, he said, you say that God is great, the ruler of the universe and performed wonderful, wondrous deeds. What do you think I've been doing? And so he goes on to say in that, uh, at the end of the chapter there, let me read it to you. He said, is it not written in your law? Wait a minute, verse 36. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, uh, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe in me. But if I do them, those wondrous works that you've been celebrating in this very uh, Hanukkah celebration time, he says, if I do them, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. It couldn't be clearer. He even says there that I am the Son of God. That's what he's been saying. And the works, the miracles were proof of that. 
So Jesus here secures his sheep because he is in control. In fact, it says there that they're in his hand. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And none of them can snatch, be snatched out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And the word one there, by the way, oh, this is a little bit of Greek, but it's neuter. So he's, saying, he's not saying I and the Father are one person. Obviously, they're not. We are one in essence. We are one in nature. We and, I and the Father are one. And if you cannot snatch them out of my hand, you, uh, if anyone cannot snatch them out of my hand or snatch them out of my Father's hand, I and the Father are one, you're doubly secure. You are forever eternally secure. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hands or my father's hands. The union between the shepherd and his sheep. Listen, the union between the shepherd and his sheep is as secure as the union of the father and the son. You are eternally secure when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and become one of his sheep. The hand, by the way, of grasping is not so much security as ownership. We're in the hand. The own, we're owned by him, owned by the Father, and therefore we are secure. You know, the last book of the Bible, Revelation, uh, the whole concept of, of shepherd and sheep relating to God's people and the Lord Jesus is right through the Bible but when you come to the last book of Revelation, you have it emphasized there again. And I want to finish with this. For it says in Revelation 7:17, for the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He doesn't cease being our shepherd. Even in eternity. The lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's what he does now and that's what he'll do for eternity. You're one of his. If you are, you can relate to that and apply it to yourself and rejoice in him and thank him for being the good shepherd. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you that, that the God of the universe would become one of us and, and be willing to shepherd the wayward, silly sheep that we are. We mess up. We go astray. We're dumb. But you love us. You call us to yourself and you lead us and we follow and you give us eternal life and we'll never perish. How we thank you. We praise you through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our shepherd. Amen. 